Hello, this is Father Michael Eads from the Toronto Oratory, and you're listening to Lexio et Oratio, a short spiritual reading podcast followed by a reflection. Abandonment to Divine Providence by Jean-Pierre de Cossard, S.J., Book 1, Chapter 2, Section 10, God Makes Known His Will Through Creatures, Continued. God's holy and everlasting will is holy in all its works, holy in all its words, holy in all its diverse characters, holy in all the names it bears. It was for this reason that Job blessed the name of God in his utter desolation. Instead of looking upon his condition as ruin, he called it the name of God, and by blessing it, he protested that the divine will, under whatever name or form it might appear, even though expressed by the most terrible catastrophes, was holy. David also blessed it at all times and in all places. It is then by this continual recognition of the will of God, as manifested and revealed in all things, that he reigns in us, that his will is done on earth as it is in heaven, and that our souls obtain nourishment. The whole matter of that incomparable prayer prescribed by Jesus Christ is comprised and contained in abandonment to the divine will. Many times daily it is recited vocally by the command of God and of Holy Church. But we repeat it at every moment in the center of our hearts when we love to do or to suffer whatever this holy will ordains. That which takes time to repeat in words, the heart pronounces at every moment. And it is in this way that simple-minded souls are called to bless God. Nevertheless, they cannot bless him as much as they desire, and this inability is a subject of grief to them. So true is it that by the very means that seem like privations, God bestows graces and favors on faithful souls. To enrich the soul at the expense of the senses, filling it by so much the more as they experience the more terrible emptiness, is a secret of the divine wisdom. The events of every moment bear the impress of the will of God and of his adorable name. How holy is this name! It is right, therefore, to bless it, to treat it as a kind of sacrament, which, by its own virtue, sanctifies those souls which place no obstacles in its way. Everything bearing the impress of this august name should be held in the most profound veneration. It is a divine manna from heaven, and in parts a constant increase of grace. It is the reign of holiness in the soul, the bread of angels eaten on earth as well as in heaven. We can no longer consider our moments as trifles, since in them is a whole kingdom of sanctity and food for angels. Yes, Lord, 
May your kingdom come in my heart to sanctify it, to nourish it, to purify it, and to render it victorious over all its enemies. Moment most precious. How insignificant in the eyes of the vulgar, but how great in those enlightened by faith. If it is great also in the eyes of my Father who is in heaven, how can I regard it as insignificant? All that comes from his hand is essentially good and bears the impress of its origin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Angels of God, our guardians, dear, to whom God's love commits us here, ever this day be at our side to light and guard, to rule and guide. Amen. Most sacred heart of Jesus, teacher of teachers, have mercy on us. St. Philip Neri, Apostle of Rome, child of Mary, vessel of the Holy Ghost, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. What did Job say when everything seemed to be going against him? When he lost all his property, when he lost all his livestock, when he lost his children, when he lost his own health, when his own wife began to ridicule him. What did Job say? And remember, Job was not even Jewish. He's one of these pagans in the Old Testament. He's one of these men, like Noah, for example, who was not Jewish who seemed to worship God, like Melchizedek, like Abel. The Jews were the descendants of Abraham. But the people who came before Abraham, well, they didn't know about God's promises to Abraham. And Job was one of those. And when all these bad things happened to Job, when his wife began to say, curse God and die, what did Job say? The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord has given, and the Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's what Father Dickosad's referring to when he says that instead of considering his condition as ruin, Job called it the name of God. In other words, the situation he was in of losing everything, he called the name of God. That this situation deserved to be said as the name of God. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord is given, the Lord is taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That somehow all these events, insofar as they're God's will, and God's will is one with his being, and God's being is one with his name. This is the name of God. This situation is somehow willed by God. And therefore that God wills this. He allows it. And therefore his name is here. His person is here. His own activity is here. And I conform myself, Job is saying, to the name of God, to God's will. Naked I came from my mother's womb, he said. 
and naked shall I return. And the rest of the book of Job is a kind of trial in which his friends come and instead of comforting him, they try to accuse him. They try to, they try to discover something that Job has done wrong. They think that all these bad things have happened to Job because he must have done something wrong. God was punishing him in some way. And he had to admit that he had done it wrong and therefore these things were happening to him. And Job keeps showing, no, 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 I, I've done nothing of the things you say. I, I haven't done any of those things. And these bad things are happening to me. And Job doesn't understand fully why, but he says, blessed be the name of the Lord. And in the end, God vindicates Job. God slightly suggests that he, that he spoke imprudently at times. He, Job seems to have kind of in a few moments of, of anger or frustration with his friends sort of justified himself too much. But fundamentally, God says, Job, you're right. This did not happen to you for your own sins. And why does this make sense to us? Because we believe in Jesus. And what evil did Jesus do? None. He went about doing good. What sin did Jesus commit that made him suffer all those things? None. He can't sin. So why did all these bad things happen to Jesus? Is that a sign that the Father doesn't love him? No, he's the beloved son. This is my beloved son in whom I well please listen to him. What sin did Mary suffer for? What sin did she commit that made her go through terrible sufferings? Our Lady of Sorrows. None. Today is the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. Mary didn't have original sin. She was preserved by God's power. And she never committed an actual sin. And so sometimes God allows people to suffer things not because of their own sins, but somehow to make up for the sins of others. Somehow for his purposes to show forth his power and his mercy and his grace. And so let us ask the Lord tonight for faithfulness. Faithfulness to do at every moment what we're supposed to do, to love to do it, and to love to suffer whatever his holy will ordains. And this is what our Lord said in the Garden of Gethsemane. Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. With his body, with his emotions, Jesus didn't want to suffer. And neither should we want to suffer with that part of our soul. No one should want to die in that way. It's against our will. Painful things are not pleasant. Painful things are not things we want in themselves. Father, let this cup pass from me. But not my will, but thy will be done. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.